Hello and welcome to the Great Long Boat Podcast. I'm Igor, your host, moderator, and only permanent member of the band Long Boat. Today, we focus on the track I Can Fake It Now from 2014's Unobscure at Last. And you'll notice that there's a sort of different ambience here. I'm trying to record this in a different room in our apartment. Um, setting up by the window wasn't working too well because even though we're still supposed to be sheltering in place because of the coronavirus, there are a lot of people out. There are a lot of people wandering around, and a lot of crazy people shouting at each other, their buses, cars, everything like that. And at first I thought, oh, that's going to be great. I'll let the this neighborhood be part of the podcast. But it just all sounds like noise in the background. Uh, there, there's a there's a, a maker studio down on, on the ground floor. And they for some reason, they have some sort of weird broadcast that they play just out in front of their their storefront there. And I it 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 really just sounds like somebody when i go to record like somebody has a radio on in the background and if it drives me nuts it'll probably drive other people nuts too so i am i'm experimenting so i hope this sounds okay i hope this ambience is satisfactory okay here's a strong opinion a few years ago, okay, maybe more than a few, I used to listen to NPR a lot. On the weekends, they do music features. A lot of the times, they'd feature indie bands, all right? I found that over time, they would tend to spotlight bands that had practiced a certain form of culture vulturism. Of course, I'm talking about making all their tunes, these are bands making all their tunes sound like updates from... Uh, iconic Motown or Phil Spector tracks. Now, I'm totally for exploring in all directions, but just dredging up the feel-good past to make a buck, I think, is the height of hackery. The same could be said about some darling of KEXP, the local college, quote-unquote college station, um, which I haven't listened to in years. Um, but they tend to play bands that this music sounds like they've magically discovered reverb and distortion for the first time and figure out that no one will ever use it like they do, which, curiously enough, is exactly how the last KXP Darling band used it several months in the past. This, in my opinion, is not music, folks. It's a gimmick. And... By any metric, KEXP sucks. Be that as it may, I will explore that point by point in future episodes. I really don't like KEXP. Uh, I hope you. I hope you're picking up on that. Okay, so like I said, explore the landscape. See what's out there. Play with forms, vary instrumentation, experiment with subject matter. That's what you do. That's what you do to be, have an individual voice. Is that important these days? I don't know. That's what I do. But if you look into the past for other individual voices, of course, the one that you zero in that's probably the most prominent was one of the first 
and that's David Bowie. And he, he, especially in the 70s, he experimented with a lot of things, a lot of forms, a lot of, and just sort of blew the door off of subject matter. And, you know, he really has my respect for that. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't really have any models. I don't have any influences, but, you know, I, he's, he's always there for inspiration. So anyhow, try to be as individual as you can do all that. Um, unfortunately, 60s pop and reverb slash distortion that those are, those are sort of zombie, uh, they're, they're zombie techniques. Uh, it's a playground for the talentless. I wrote a song about the, the making a, a perpetual Motown song. Uh, it's from Kill the Music. It's called Congratulations. It sounds like a Motown tune in order to call attention to the problem. Um, I think of this, uh, th- the throwback compulsion is more of a cynical choice by people or who aren't good musicians, who aren't good songwriters. They can just, you know, listen to a Temptation song and imitate it. Listen to a Supreme song, imitate it. Listen to a Phil Spector song and imitate it. Where's the fun in that? And uh, again, one or two songs in that vein, fine. Three, four, five albums. Come on, get serious. And, you know, maybe you'll land on on NPR. Uh, I don't know. I haven't listened to them in years. Their political coverage in the last few has been dismal. And I don't know who they feature there as music acts. Uh, with all that said, uh, this episode's tune conjures classic funk. The whole album, Unobscure at Last, is a garage experiment with funk. There was no blatant co-opting or harnessing older forms. There's no cultural appropriation. There was just me seeing what I could do. This is just a suburban white guy's version of funk. Funk at this point, funk is like the blues. It doesn't belong to anybody. And it's, and, you know, see where you can take it. Don't culture, don't appropriate culture, but put it through your lens. And that's what I'm doing here. So this track, I Can Fake It Now, it uh, started like most of my stuff starts, music first. This time, though, it started with the verse vocal line. Uh, The chorus didn't happen until much later. Each tune is comprised of choices. Every song represents a host of conscious choices. Those make or break what you have to offer. I feel like I made the best choice at every turn for this track. I'm extremely, extremely proud of how it turned out. It has a wonderful guitar solo by Andy Coe, and I really like the horn arrangement. I'm playing saxophone on it. So here it is. I haven't worked with some of these guys in quite a while. So we have Andy Coe on guitar. It takes this wonderful solo. Absolutely just just stellar. Ty Bailey on Hammond organ. 
Chris Simer on bass, Jay Thomas on trumpet, Ryan Leva on backing vocals, Devon Lewis on drums, and I wrote, arranged, and sang it. And I play tenor saxophone. Johnny Sangster engineered it and mixed it, and Rick Fisher mastered it. This is I Can Fake It Now. Gather round you girls and boys Marvel at my grace and poise Not one jot of it is real But the effect is ideal My existential moodiness All the crap's been put to rest There's good voices in my head Are very dead You gotta just shut about being a sociopath. I hope that's clear. 
I've since kind of abandoned that style of writing. From time to time, I'd write a tune about just giving up and becoming some directionless slacker or trying to be as ordinary as possible or stalling mediocrity as a cardinal virtue or shouting the praises of being a sociopath. Yeah, I, I stopped doing that. I guess I concluded that my albums weren't selling because I was the wrong person making this music. Uh, Whatever I was doing was either too self-aggrandizing or not self-aggrandizing enough. I felt that everything I was doing was wrong. What do you do when that happens? You long for a different approach. You long to be a different person. And, um, but that was in the past. Uh, that, was, that was many albums ago. And circumstances change. In 2014, I was poor, single, living in a grand and grotty apartment, spending everything on recording and nothing on promotion outside of radio promotion. In 2020, we're in the midst of coronavirus, as you probably know, uh, but I'm less poor, married, living one floor above my former abode, and uh, finally able to promote my newer releases. I'm also making more albums than just about anybody. I don't know, has anybody else recorded six albums recently? Um, maybe making six albums isn't a, that big of a deal. I mean, I thought making two albums in 2014 was a big deal. I thought it was the most I could do in a year. But when you have talent, and I'm, I, don't, I don't mean that that is a brag, but when you have talent when you have a sort of organizational talent, um, the more you do, the more you're capable of doing. In 2015, there was Kill the Music. I still think this is one of the best albums of the last decade by anyone. Um, just, I may sound delusional. You could you can listen to it. You can go on Bandcamp and stream it and think, oh, this, this just sucks and it's too long too. But that's my opinion. And I worked hard on it. Um, and also, just prove me wrong. Prove me that it isn't a good album. Um, and then there were three albums in 2016, uh, two each in 2017, 2018, four in 2019, just last year, and six this year, 2020. Numbers really mean nothing. Uh, lots of guys have written lots of music. It, I, I don't think it means that much. I'm, you know, proud of all the stuff that I've done, but it ultimately, I always go back to this, the who has written the most music. It's a guy named George Philip Telemann. Uh, he's, I don't know how many thousands of things he wrote, but he lived, he lived in Hamburg. He, he wrote all kinds of music and I don't know, there are maybe half a dozen pieces that are played today out of the thousands that he wrote. Or, you know, Jazz Bach, he, he wrote, he wrote uh, I don't know, what, 1,600 pieces or so? And oh, many of those are in wide circulation. So, it's and Mozart wrote 600 and some on, and a lot of those are in, in, in wide circulation. But Telemann, who wrote more more music than anyone, is not. And ultimately, yeah, numbers aren't that important. And, but 
you know, I, I, I have always thought that my music had enough going for it that it would draw people to it. That wasn't the case, and it then, and it isn't the case today. I used to think that it would happen with just one odd or compelling song. And, you know, it would be, it would kindle interest. And then I thought it would, an album would break the ice. Then a suite of albums. Then multi-volume sets. And today, nine years later, still nothing. But, you know, writing music, and I, I say this, uh, I say this all the time. It's a sickness. You, you will spend your last dollar to get something you believe in recorded. And believe me, I have. It was called Kill the Music. And also E-. And Come and Get Your Christmas, just to name a few. I, I seriously, after I was done with those, I had pretty much spent my last dollar. Uh, when it, once I got done with the manufacturing and the radio promotion. And then I just kind of went out, went back to work, and made more dollars so that I could spend, uh, you know, on future recording projects. And you know, there, a lot of guys who record are like me. They don't ever see uh, any money in return. And you know, the, the guys like me make uh, make the recording industry go round I guess um you know and and by you know mentioning money just don't think that that I'm just about material gain here I am not it would just be really nice one of these days to get back some of my production costs uh whenever I release an album with CD Baby it seems like I get a check for them from them but it's like 20 bucks um, uh, Kill the Music was an expensive album to make, and um, I think I, to this point, I have made, I have made about thirty-five dollars off of it. So you know that's that, <laughs> but you know instead of just stopping, I I just keep doubling down and doubling down and doubling down. And sure, I was, I was upset. I still am upset that it has not caught on with anyone but that doesn't change my opinion about it it's just that it's kind of like having a child and who shows promise and then after they say graduate from high school or graduate from college they just immediately screw up and go to prison and that is that's kind of what's happened to almost every single album that I've made and, you know, it's just after a while, you you do examine your motives. And, of course, my, the, my only motive is to get this done. It would be nice to, to recoup some of the costs. But if that's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. I'm still going to make music. And it's still going to be a sickness. So... As I've hinted, uh, Unobscure at Last didn't do well. None of my albums have. It go kind of goes without saying that some, someday I'll just quit saying it. It will just be, 
Well, just be obvious. Um, that doesn't mean that those albums aren't good. And it doesn't stop me from making more, as I said. I am, uh, to, to dip into poker world terminology, pot committed. I have to see how this thing will turn out. Alrighty, so if you want to email me, my address is longboatpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com to stream the Longboat discography. Uh, you can go to Bandcamp at longboat.bandcamp.com. You will have a lot of albums to choose from. So thank you very much for joining me, and... If you don't like this track, I have others. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.